0: Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in to True Crime with Nat. Today we're going to talk about the missing persons case of list attorney who just recently made headlines again after almost two decades. So let's get started. Warning, the following episode contains graphic depiction of sexual abuse and assault, which some listeners may find disturbing. It is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Alyssa was born on April 3, 1984, in Phoenix, Arizona, to parents Barbara Stram and Stephen Stram. Barbara had one other child, a son by the name of John, from a previous relationship. Unfortunately, Barbara's relationship with Stephen did not last, and she did begin to date Michael Roy Turney a little after her separation from Stephen. Michael had his own children from a previous marriage. He actually had three sons. And he did eventually adopt John and Alyssa, which later they did change both John and Alyssa's last names to Turney. Alyssa was three years old when her mother married Michael. So in 1988, Barbara and Michael welcomed their only child together, Sarah Turney. When Alyssa was around nine, her mother passed away from a battle with cancer. But before Barbara's passing, doctors had informed her that Alyssa had scar tissue indicating sexual abuse. Even now, as adults, Alyssa's siblings recount how she was treated differently from the other children and as a child around the age of 7, Alyssa would even ask, Why doesn't Daddy love me? There are some home footage videos that have been released and are out on YouTube or online on any kind of news clips that you can find when you Google Alyssa's case. And you can tell in these videos that Michael is not affectionate whatsoever towards Alyssa, and he's actually very cold towards her. Alyssa was left with Michael after her mom's passing, as well as her sister, Sarah. The older children, though, had already moved out, or some of them had left shortly after Barbara's passing. After Barbara's death, Michael did begin to date rather soon, and he began dating Diane Boardman who was also Alyssa's third grade teacher. The sisters, Alyssa and Sarah, they did become close to Diane and even confided in her regularly. Alyssa had once mentioned to Diane, quote, I'm having sex with my dad. Michael also mentioned to Diane over a phone conversation that Alyssa would be someone that men would, quote, have great sex with and she needed to be spayed, unquote. Even with these alarming things brought to her attention, this was never reported to authorities at that time. What makes this case even crazier is the actual home videos. Not only do you see Michael being cold and unaffectionate towards Alyssa, but if you search for the home videos, there's one particular video where Sarah, Alyssa's younger sister, is actually playing with the camera while they're on a camping trip. In this video, Alyssa actually calls out for Sarah and then yells out, quote, Dad's a pervert, which Michael responds with it, calling Alyssa, quote, a stupid moron, and then throws a shoe at her. After that, he tells Sarah to turn off the camera, and she does. As Alyssa got older, Michael was starting to become even more restrictive on Alyssa. He wanted to keep an eye on her at all times. So, Michael had placed surveillance cameras specifically to spy on Alyssa and he would place these cameras in the vents like in the living room and even in her bedroom. Michael had also installed some kind of recording system on the home phone and he recorded incoming and outgoing calls at all times. Her sister Sarah did an interview and stated that she recalled Michael and Alyssa fighting all the time. And she said this because, quote, it seemed like Alyssa wanted more freedom and he wouldn't allow it. Eventually, Michael had Alyssa on an individualized education plan for a learning disability that she was never diagnosed with or even tested for. But he insisted that she was stupid and, quote, dumb as a rock. Constantly, he told her that she needed special accommodations for her, quote, mild form of retardation. On the last day of Alyssa's sophomore year, in 2000, Michael had picked her up early from school and took her on a drive to the desert. Here, this is where he tried to sexually assault her. That same day, he had actually given her a contract to sign, stating that she had not been abused. There was actually a second desert incident where he tried to assault Alyssa, but this time he made her walk home, and this was actually confirmed By Alyssa's brother, Rhett. There's also footage of Michael filming Alyssa while she was at work, as well as footage of her making out with a boy on the couch. Michael claimed that Alyssa had a very high sex drive and that she enjoyed engaging in such activities. He was practically saying that since she liked it, she asked for it. This is ridiculous, especially as as a parent. This isn't something that you say or even mention or or claim about your child, whether it be a biological child or an adoptive child. If that's a child, you don't talk or mention any of these kind of things. On May seventeenth, two 2001, Alyssa was on her last day of her junior year in high school. And that same day, around 11 a.m., Alyssa actually popped her head in into her boyfriend John's classroom and confirmed with him that she'd see him at a party that was taking place that night. But after that, no one ever saw Alyssa again. That day, Michael was late to picking up Sarah from school and ended up getting her from a friend's house around 5 in the afternoon. When Sarah got in the truck, she mentions that Michael was acting hysterical and asked her to begin calling Alyssa, Because she wasn't answering her phone and he thought that something might have happened to her. When they both arrived home that night, Sarah went in and discovered Alyssa's stuff that is usually in her backpack, thrown and scattered all over the floor and her cell phone was actually vibrating on the dresser next to a note. This note actually read, quote, Dad and Sarah. When you dropped me off at school today, I decided that I really am going to California. Sarah, you said you didn't want me around. Look, you got it, I'm gone. Dad, I took $300 from you. Alyssa, Unquote. That night, Michael called family and reached out to the police to let them know that she had left. He told police she had gone to California, she was staying with her aunt, and he knew where she was. Alyssa was then placed in the system as a runaway and no search was conducted by authorities. Michael even told his neighbors not to bother looking for her because he knew where she was, supposedly in California, with her aunt. About a week later, after Alyssa supposedly leaving to California, a call came to the house from a payphone in Riverside, California. Michael claims it was Alyssa and that she supposedly cussed him out, told him to leave her alone, and hung up. And just like that, Alyssa was gone and never heard from again. After the supposed phone call, Michael actually took out $1,800 from Alyssa's bank account and gave the money to Sarah. He also got rid of her pets. He says that he did his own searches for her, claiming that police were not helping, although he was the one that told authorities that he knew where she was. So they, they really had no reason to suspect that she was missing or in any kind of danger. But again, she was never seen or heard from again. In 2006, an inmate in Florida confessed to murdering Alyssa after seeing her picture in a magazine but it was quickly proven to be false, although it did spark a further investigation into the case. In 2008, Michael Turney went to prison, but not for anything related to Alyssa. Homemade bombs were seized from his house that he said he was going to use in a domestic terrorist attack against an electrical union as revenge because he claimed that they had killed Alyssa. So at this point, police told Sarah that they believed Michael had some kind of connection to Alyssa's disappearance and might have even killed Alyssa himself. Alyssa's family didn't find out that Alyssa was picked up early by Michael the day she went missing until he was actually in prison. He claimed he picked her up early despite it already being a half day, especially since it was already the last day of school. He says that they went and got lunch got into an argument about her plans for the summer. He dropped her off at school to calm down, went shopping, and then she was gone. It did take Alyssa's sister Sarah a little while to be convinced her dad would do such a thing, considering he had treated her the complete opposite of how Alyssa was treated, but eventually Sarah was convinced and she actually was the last of the five remaining siblings to believe that he killed her. When Michael was released on the bomb charges, the police said that they would immediately rearrest him for Alyssa's murder. But the day came, he was arrested, and then he was set free. So police had told Sarah that the only way that this case would ever be investigated or come to some kind of a close was to get some kind of media coverage for the case to them pressure the district attorney, which Sarah went ahead and did do this, and it, she, she did an amazing job at bringing attention to her sister's case. So Sarah did launch a podcast, a blog, a Facebook group, an Instagram account, and eventually a TikTok account, even airing details about her sister's relationship with their father, posting incriminating conversations they had had, and interactions with law enforcement. In Sarah's blog, you can visit it at justiceforalissa.com, and she actually has an article titled, Five Reasons I Know My Father Killed My Sister, Alyssa Turney. We're not going to go ahead and go deep dive into the article, but I wanted to go ahead and skim through it a bit and mention a few things that she posts on here um, and kind of go over the five reasons that Sarah gives us as to why she knows her father killed her sister so we can go ahead and move from there um number one Sarah says that the abuse the evidence that Alyssa was most likely being abused for the majority of her life is overwhelming and heartbreaking is what she says in her article for number two she mentions means and opportunity not only did our father have the motive but he also had the means and the opportunity So that's number two on Sarah's list. Three is surveillance failure. The amount of surveillance equipment that seemingly, quote, failed on Alyssa's last day in the home is too many to reasonably be called a coincidence. Four, lies and deceit. The amount of lies my father has told about Alyssa's disappearance are seemingly endless and the evidence of him acting with deceit is strong. Now what caught my attention the most was number five, and I think I might just read this paragraph to you guys so you can see why it was so mind boggling to me. so in our article, Sarah says five taunting confessions. I met with my father in October of twenty seventeen a few months after his release from prison. It was the first time we had spoken to each other without the prison recording our conversations in ten years. After realizing I wasn't there to reconnect, he became angry. In addition to a slew of shocking and disgusting statements about Alyssa, he also taunted me with the closest thing to a confession we will probably ever have. Quote, Be at the deathbed, Sarah, and I will give you all the honest answers you want to hear. Unquote. He then agreed to tell me everything if the state agreed to give him a lethal injection within 10 days of his confession. And in this article, Sarah also has the video with the actual confession from her father. Without Sarah's determination and pushing for media coverage, we would not be here today. This year, 2020, in late August, Michael Roy Turney, age 72, was indicted and charged by Maricopa County Grand Jury on second-degree murder charges in the death of a list attorney. Phoenix police announced that they had arrested him in Mesa, Arizona. So if it weren't for Sarah's determination to find answers and get her sister justice, we would not be here with this update today. What helped Sarah the most was social media, in particular TikTok. I know that TikTok is mostly an app for children or even teenagers or young adults to dance to their favorite songs, come up with the funny jokes, just like it, how it was for Vine. Vine was an app, another social media platform, where you made six-second videos. I believe TikTok is sort of related to that. But with Sarah's TikTok account and all the coverage and all the posting and all the sharing, she eventually got some justice for her sister. Even though it took 20 years, Sarah was able to do it. And Sarah did tweet. On August 20th, 2020, quote, I'm shaking and I'm crying. We did it, you guys. He's been arrested. Oh, my God. Thank you. Hashtag justice for Alyssa. Never give up hope that you can get justice. It took almost 20 years, but we did it. I know with these really rough cases, it is hard to find some kind of joy in any of it. Nothing's going to bring Alyssa back, but at the end of the day, Sarah did what she did. She got justice for her sister, even 20 years later. Cold cases are one of the hardest cases to even investigate, but at the end of the day, we got justice for Alyssa. Sarah did that. So with that being said, thank you for sticking with me on today's case. Let us know how we did on our first episode. Leave us some feedback or any suggestions on a new case that we can cover. Thanks for being a part of True Crime with Nat. See you later.